Well, welcome everybody. I'm so glad you're here at the PWH podcast. PWH means pathway home. And we want this to be more than just a podcast. We want this to be your church. And so I'm Pastor Kyle. And I'm Amy. And I am so glad that you guys are with us today. And so welcome. Welcome to kind of our first, first. official, but technically our second one. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> and so we want to talk, we want to use this time to not to to uh, connect God's reality with the reality we live in here at Earth. Yeah. And the best way to do it is just by talking things out. The best times of talking about Jesus and about the Bible have been just around my my kitchen table with people. No agenda, no notes, nothing pre prepared. We're just talking, and things of life begin to come up. And so that's what we're doing here at this podcast. Yeah, and you know, this being the first day, I just want to say welcome to the podcast. Welcome to what we're going to be doing, and I can't wait to see where the Holy Spirit leads us. So we were talking just as we began this podcast about talking about things in the culture. Yeah. Because God, everything that God wrote in the Bible is so relevant. I mean, you read the the prophets, the the major prophets or the minor prophets, and it is like you are opening a window into today, but it was written you know, 2,500 years ago or more. Mm-hmm. And so when we talk about the Bible, we're not talking about an, just talking about an ancient book. We're certainly not talking about fairy tales. We are talking about the living eternal God who manifested himself in the person of Jesus Christ. He died for our sins. He rose from the dead. He lives forevermore. He lives in his people and he wants to touch your life. He wants to touch your world. This word is living. It is powerful. The Holy Spirit is living and powerful. And so how do we, how do we um, connect the reality of the powerful God to what we see around us? And I love that you said that this, this is the living word of God, because one of the thoughts that are rolling through my mind is so many times we think the Bible has nothing to do with my time now, with my reality. And we don't see that what's going on in the culture right now actually has a lot to do with what the Bible says. You know what the hot topic of the culture is right now? Is, I think I know, but go ahead. Yeah, it's the Lil Nas video. Yeah. Uh, and, the, you know, the Satan shoes and his, and you know, people want to say, well, the Bible this and the Bible that, and, you know, Bible's just an ancient book. Well, then why does the Bible take a central theme in his video? Yeah. Right? Doesn't it start in the Garden of Eden and the mm-hmm. temptation of Satan? Yeah. That's where it starts. But, you know, I want to get this right on the table at the very beginning that, you know, I saw what, what he wrote. I saw his, what he wrote on TikTok and saying, I'm hoping this makes you all as mad as, you know, your preaching made me, you said I was going to go to hell because I was gay and you made me, uh, you know, doubt myself and, and hate myself. hate myself and all of this stuff. I'm not angry. Mm-hmm. I'm not angry. That was my first reaction to, you know, what I was seeing on TikTok, on social media and on the video as well. The video did not make me angry at all. I, I wasn't in a place where I was, I'm so mad at what this is, and I'm offended. No, I think that offended Christian is a Christian that isn't able to communicate the gospel well. And what it actually brought upon me was a lot of sadness, um, not just for him, but for everybody who's being deceived in the comments that is rooting this on, that is believing that this is a great thing. Also, people that are believing that this is just entertainment. This is just art that had nothing to do with art. It was something that was actually going on in his soul 
that's now being spilled out in a video. And so it made me sad for those that haven't seen the reality of who Jesus is yet. Yeah. And, you know, the reality is that there's a lot of people out there that have church hurt. Yeah. And there's, listen, I've been a pastor for over 17 years. I have heard a lot of stories. I've met with a lot of people. And, you know, when, when people react in such a visceral way, mm-hmm. the way uh, this Lil Nas video is, mm-hmm. um, kind of my, my pastoral experience kicks in. And you have to look beyond the uh, what's on the surface. You have to look beyond the words. You have to look beyond the video. You have to look beyond what people are presenting themselves. And when you look beyond it, you find somebody who's in pain. Mm-hmm. Uh, gosh, I don't know how many people over nearly 20 years my wife and I have sat with. But it's been a lot. And, and everybody has pain. And pain expresses itself in so many different ways. And I've heard so many, uh, so many things about church hurt, about this pastor or that leader or this message or that brother or sister in the church and the way they talked to me, the way they rejected me. And, and that might be your story too, if you're watching this. And as a pastor, I want to say, I know that's real. And I do my darndest not to, <laughs> not to ever do that to people. But let me just say as a pastor, I am sorry if that has been your experience, that is not the heart of God towards people. No matter what people have done, no matter what they're, wh- where they are or what's going on in their life, God loves people. Yeah. And, you know, as you're saying that, for those of you guys that don't know, um, and as I'm sitting across from Pastor Kyle, he knows that I'm someone that came from church hurt. Yeah. And um, coming into that, the healing process, it's, how can I say it? There's no other way to say it. It's a process to deal with rejection, to deal with what you've seen, with um, untangling your feelings from what is actually God's truth and being able to step in yeah. again to an environment that is church when, quite frankly, you can lose trust in church. You can lose faith in church. You yeah. can lose hope in church. Um, but as you deal with those feelings, you know, you begin to see that what happened to you isn't a reflection of who God is. Yeah. And our trust, <clears throat> excuse me, and our faith shouldn't be in church anyways. Yeah. It's in Jesus. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, uh, my wife and I, I, I consider, I, I think we're pretty good pastors. <laughs> Are we perfect? Oh, Lord, no. Have we, over the years, have we done things that have hurt people unintentionally? Yeah. Yeah, have I had to go back and apologize to people? Yeah, I have. Why? Because at the end of the day, I'm an imperfect person, even though, you know, I'm a pastor. I'm a leader in in God's church. And I still mess up. Mm-hmm. And But I don't want that. I don't want people to, at the end of the day, look at me or look at my church for their salvation. That's only in Jesus. Yeah. And our job is to love people. Our job is to tell people the truth in love. And our job is to help lead people to Jesus, not lead people to ourselves. And I think that that is something that not many pastoral leaders have, um, that sometimes they're held or either hold themselves to such a high regard 
that they can't possibly make a mistake or their judgment must possibly not be wrong, um, that we're the ones that are wrong. But what I'm trying to get to in saying that is no matter what the situation is, no matter who the pastor is, what the pastor done, the church has done, at the end of the day, if you're affected with bitterness, there's only one person that it hurts. Yeah. And it's ourselves. That's right. <laughs> you know, it's it's the old saying of, you know, bitterness or unforgiveness is like drinking poison, hoping it kills the other person. Mm-hmm. At the end of the day, at the end of the day, you're the one who loses. Yeah. And that's something that, you know, as, as I've been in, uh, you know, church while you've seen more examples probably than I have, but sometimes it's that bitterness that holds us back. And I'll say also this fear and uh, mistrust in people. Yeah. Um, and, it, and it doesn't hurt anybody but yourself. I know one thing that, when I got out of the situation that I was in, I tried very hard and depended on God to keep my heart free from that bitterness. Because I knew stepping into bitterness will also keep me out of my purpose, will keep me out of what God intended to do with my life. And even distort your view of who God is. Yeah. You know, and I, you know, sometimes I, I'll say this very openly. I tell my parents I had every reason to walk away from church. Right every reason to walk away from church, every reason to stop believing in church. Um, but I think that that was the point. I think that God wanted me to stop believing in the church and start believing in him and how he can work in people right. and how, you know, your life really does matter in church. You know, when I come across people now, I tell them, you are, you matter to the church. You have a role to play in the church. You have a story nobody else does. You have a testimony that nobody else does. You have a gift that nobody else does. And we can't do this without you because that's the truth. The body cannot work without one of its, its parts. I think that one of the messages that really affected my life, this was after, you know, everything that happened in my life happened. Um, I actually heard a, a message by Christine Kane and she said, do you know how big your ACL is and I said and you know you say like no and she said it's about the size of your pinky that's how big that lim- ligament is mm-hmm. and if that ligament is torn you can't walk your body can't walk anymore that's how important every single piece of the body is yeah you know just yesterday <clears throat> it's a Monday morning or I'm sorry Monday evening right now and uh, just yesterday after our church services I did a membership class And um, as we were going through it, I told the people, I said, you are God's gift to this church, that everybody who is born in this world is a unique aspect of God's image and likeness. The Bible says in Genesis 1.26 that God made us in his image and in his likeness, and that it's not just one size fits all or or one flavor is for everybody. Mm -hmm. It's that you, Amy Ayala, are a are a unique expression of God's image and likeness. And so am I in a different way. Mm -hmm. So is my wife in a different way. So is dear Michelle, who's sitting behind (laughs) the camera right now. She is a different aspect of God's unique um, image that the world would never see if we were never born. Mm -hmm. And I think that's one of the huge things about why, why things about, uh, even abortion, even things like uh, transgenderism or homosexuality. It's it's not that that's the pinnacle of all sinfulness. Mm-hmm. Um, I think I think a lot of people in the culture want to point at the church and say, well, you know, those are your those are the only two things that are that are really sin to you guys. But, you know, all you are liars, too. And, you know, mm-hmm. or, or whatever they want to point 
at, and certainly the church is not filled with perfect people. I know that. I know that because I'm, I'm one of the non-perfect people and so are Same. you. But I think that's one of the things with abortion and homosexuality. Both of those things distort God's image to a, to a place where homosexuality cannot reproduce. Therefore, there are people that are not being born in this world that God has a destiny for. And he wants his image and likeness through the form of that person to be expressed in the world that it is not being expressed. Mm-hmm. And abortion is the downright murder of somebody who is in the process of being born. And so both of those things at the at the very end of the day both of those things keep unique expressions of God's image and likeness from being born on this world. And it's not about it's not about calling out a group of people saying, "Oh, you're y'all going to hell. God hates you all." No, absolutely not. There is nothing that you can do to make God hate you. God loves you with incredible passion but therein lies the message of the gospel and at the end of the day the gospel is an offensive message the cross of jesus christ is offensive to us it's offensive because it forces us to take account of our life and forces us to look at ourselves and say i'm wrong whether the, whether the sin is transgender or homosexuality, whether it's the sin is heterosexual sexual immorality, or it's lying, or it's cheating, or it's stealing, or it's violence, or it's hatred towards another person, mm-hmm. all of those things are sin. All of them are. Whether it's murder, you, know, you take your pick. But all of those things are sin. And I'm not going to designate as one sin higher than another. Nope. That's, that's, that's not my job. But where sin is sin, and you say the cross is the answer, and all people can hear is you've done it wrong, and you're wrong, and you're going to hell because of it. And that is not the central message. The central message is, yeah, all of us are wrong, but Jesus did everything possible everything that needed to be done in order for us to walk away from the things that tear us away from God. I think that one of, you know, one thing that you're pointing out right now that he actually helps us walk away from those sins is not just, mm-hmm. all right, I've accepted Jesus. Now I have to change my whole life. It's a process that he takes you through. It's a process that I'm on and a process that I want to be on. What I mean by that, I remember when I played basketball, my coach would tell me, if I stop correcting you, then be worried. Yeah. And I remember one day to prove a point, um, she actually stopped correcting us. Mm. And I went up to her after practice and I said, don't give up on me. I want to learn and I want to grow. And I remember that moment uh, when that happened. Now in my life, that's how I see God. And, and, and when he corrects me, it's because he loves me. That's exactly right. And because he loves me, he wants me to grow. And it's this process that he has me on. I mean, I've got four kids. Don't you think for a moment that I haven't corrected them their whole life? <laughs> you know, my oldest is 16 and my youngest is 10. But, um, you know, it, I think the worst thing you could ever do to somebody is to teach them that there are no consequences for their actions. Mm-hmm. And yeah, yeah, I, 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 I punished my kids. You know, you, you, 
you know, you sit in the bed, you sit on the bed, you stand on the corner, you you do all the things that we do as a family. And, and I remember when I told my 16 year old, he was, he was turning 12. And I said, you know, we did some light corporal punishment in our household. Bible talks about it. And I received it when I was a kid and I'm a better man for it. But I remember I told him, I said, I will never give you any sort of corporal punishment again, ever. You're 12 years old. You're too, you're too big for that. You're growing into becoming an adolescent and then a man. And I don't want to, I don't want you to, to feel like somebody bigger is just bearing down on you. I said, but the older you get, the more severe the consequences will become. And the consequences won't come from me. You get, you get behind a car and you're drunk and you kill somebody. Your life is, you, you, you've ruined a big portion of your life. You, you take drugs and you overdose or you, you, man, the consequences are endless. I said, you would be, you would be begging for the days where all you got was a slap on the wrist or, or, or a timeout. And the more we grow, the more there, there are great consequences. And God knows those consequences. The ultimate consequence is eternally separated from the God who created you and who loves you. That's the ultimate consequence. And God so does not want people to suffer that. It's not an issue. It's never an issue with the, the issue at hand is Lil Nas mm-hmm. and his, his video. The issue is not God saying, well, you know, forget you. I hope you go to hell. I hate you because you're not, you're not Mr. Perfect. Oh no, 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 no. Mm-hmm. None of us are even close to Mr. Or Miss Perfect. I mean, not even close. And God knows that. And so he says, I'm going to do everything for you because there's no way you can get out of it. And so I'm going to do it for you. I love, I actually saw a TikTok video talking about exactly what you said. And somebody said, what we don't realize is that it's not a good God that sends us to hell. Mm. It's that we were already on our way to hell and he provided us a way out. That's exactly right. Forever. And when I saw that video and I, you know, reading the comments sometimes, even though a comment is just a comment, you're also stepping into somebody's mind and somebody's thoughts. And the first thing that, you know, seeing the video, reading those comments, one, hell isn't a joke. Two, heaven isn't either. They're both real realities. And, some, and, and you know, speaking about hell, even growing up, I repented just because they, they would scare me that I'm going to hell. <laughs> like, I would go to the front just to, you know, I've already accepted Jesus, I would say, as a little kid, but I want to make sure, like, God, we're good, right? Like, I'm going to heaven. But the more and more I walked with him, I realized it's not that he's, I'm, I'm being feared into repentance, but he's loving me into repentance. He's showing me that that was where I was destined to be, that, you know, the wages of sin is death, no matter what the sin is. There are no categories to sin. I was on my way to hell until Jesus stepped in, paid the price for my sin, and removed the guilty that was on me. And now, instead of being called a sinner, he has called me a daughter. We are sons and daughters of him. Once that label has been removed from us, and that is not because of my works or your works, but that is simply because of the work that he did on the cross. But until that actually becomes a reality, then the reality of who Jesus is won't matter to you. Yeah. 
one of the things that amazes me about God is how he meets us right where we are. Mm-hmm. Um, one of my professors in Bible college, uh, when she, she told about the time where she, when she came to Jesus and she said, God, I will give you my life, but don't you dare touch my cigarettes. Mm. Don't touch my cigarettes. Now we all know smoking, it's, it's going to damage your lungs, give you COPD, put all tar in there and all that stuff. It's, you're damaging the temple that God gave you. But she said, God, don't you dare touch my cigarettes. And you know what? God didn't. She, say, she got saved and for the next, I don't know how many years, kept smoking. But the more, the more she grew in the Lord and understand, uh, understood his heart and his love for her, the more she understood what his word says, she, she came to the conclusion herself and said, you know what? I don't want this for me anymore. And she goes, God, you can take my cigarettes away from me now. Hmm. And all of a sudden she was instantaneously delivered from the need for smoking. God could have done that years ago, but she wasn't there yet. She wasn't ready for that. And it's, did somehow God change his mind and say, well, I'll permit your sin now. And then I won't permit it later. No, it's not that God changed his mind. It's that she wasn't ready for it. And God says, all right, it's okay. I'm going to start leading you into something greater for your life. But if you're not there right now, it's okay. He brings us on that process. He brings us into a process. And that's not somehow uh, in some way justifying sin or saying, oh, God does that. All right. Well, then I'm gonna, you know, I'm gonna look at porn every day and and, and until he miraculously until he miraculously it. delivers me from it. No, no, no. It doesn't work like that either. But he does meet you where you're at. And if you say I'm not ready to give that up, but I but I still love God. God will meet you there. And now it's the process of becoming more like Him, and He will walk you out of slavery. Actually, you know what? That's that is the, the message of the Bible, too, yeah. that God delivered the Israelites from slavery into Egypt. And so once they left Egypt, they were no longer slaves, but they were still bound to so many things. I mean, literally 90 days after they left Egypt, they forgot about God and were building a golden calf and they were building an idol and worshiping the idol saying, this is the God who left, led us out of Egypt. Literally 90 days later. And so God met them in their slavery. He met them in their sin. He met them in their bondage. He led them out. And then that's the the story of of, uh, the Israelites going through the desert for 40 years. God delivered them from Egypt in an instant. But it took 40 years for him to deliver them or, or deliver Egypt out of them. Wow. And, you know... That's the common saying, what you're saying, well, come as you are. And I feel like there's a second part missing to that. And I always say this, but it's come as you are because God leaves you too much, loves you too much to leave you where you are. He won't leave you in your sin. He won't leave you in your chains. He won't leave you with that baggage, but he'll show you how he can miraculously take that away from you to take away the sin that's honestly sometimes becomes a part of you. 
They can identify you. I know that that's one prayer that I read one day and I said, that is so true that sin can become even your own identity and you were fooled by it, that I need this in order to keep moving forward. But when you taste and see his goodness, he begins to know, let me show you a better way of life. Let me show you what you were designed for. Let me show you what I made you for. And he begins to unravel that and change us from the inside out. And a lot of people take offense to that. Yeah. When God says, let me show you who you really are. And he's, no, no, no. I already know who I am. I already know who I am. And I like who I am. And, you know, everybody for all my life has mm-hmm. told me, you know, be happy with who you are. And you, and, you know, you're beautiful just the way you are. And, and now you're telling me that Jesus is saying I am wrong. Mm-hmm. We don't like to be wrong. I don't. We don't. And I don't like to be confronted. Yeah. Especially with who we are and what we do. I don't like somebody tearing apart my life and saying, I look at this, 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 and this, and all of that is leading you into a bad place. And then our pride kicks in. Our pride says, no, and not. I'm just fine. I've been told this all my life. I'm good. I'm good. I'm good. Who are you to tell me that I'm wrong? That's the offense of the cross. One day you told me a story and I want, I was wondering if you can say it. it's when your dad, you spoke to your dad and he told you, um, I think you tell it better than I do, but I don't know if you can share Because I that. lived it. Yeah. <laughs> but um, it was when I was 19 and 20 years old. So this was now literally half my life ago. Um, I had just met my wife and my dad was really nervous about me, not her. The moment he met her, he's like, oh, this is, she's great. Mm-hmm. He was nervous about me. And so one day he he took me to Denny's around the corner of Van Nuys and Sherman way. It actually just closed down. I have a lot of memories of that Denny's, but he took me to that Denny's. We sat there for five hours and he was tearing me apart, not in an unloving way. He wasn't yelling at me. He wasn't angry, but he was saying, Kyle, you do this and you do that. And you do this, that, and this and that. And he just started unpacking my life and I remember thinking, like, I, I, I had this conscious thought while my dad is talking to me. I said, it's like he's holding a mirror up in front of me. And I have a choice to make right now. Either the old man is crazy and I'm going to keep going on living my life the way that best suits me. Or, he, or I can make the decision that he loves me. And he knows more than me. And he's trying to help me become more than I am right now. I have a decision to make. And I remember consciously thinking, I choose to trust my dad. Hmm. I choose to trust his insight. I choose to trust his knowledge and his experience and his love for me. So I choose to take the words that he's saying, how, and they hurt because who likes to be told told that you're that you're immature that you're on a bad road who likes to be told that that you're you're you know your tunnel vision and you just bowl people around you and you just knock them over because you want what you want you don't care about what anybody else needs especially when you think you're doing good <laughs> yeah who likes to be told that i didn't like to be told that but i chose to say i'm going to listen and I wonder how many times people people choose the opposite. Because, 
you know, the reality and going back to what Lil Nas said, he said, you know, for all, all my adolescence, you told me I was going to hell. Now you're angry that I, that I actually am going to hell. Well, yeah, I, I'm angry because you're, because God made you for something different. Mm. Yeah. And, and it, it makes me sad because, because you weren't able to hear what they were saying. And, and listen, oh my gosh. Nearly 20 years of pastoring, I have said some of the most kind and loving things. And people come back to me and say, you yelled at me. (laughs) Uh, No, I didn't. I remember our conversation. No, I said truth to you. And you interpreted it as I was angry at you. Oh, my gosh. That's happened more than once to me. Mm -hmm. And. I wonder how many times that's happened with people who have church hurt that something was actually said in loving, in in, in kindness, in love and in truth, but it was interpreted out of pain. It was interpreted out of my own lens of who do you think you are? And you're really just coming at me and you hate me when nothing of the sort was ever said. But truth can hurt. Truth can hurt real bad, but truth is truth. And God still loves you in the middle of having to challenge you. And you know, that, that can go in so many places. Cause you know, as I've especially stepped into conversations with you when, um, when we barely began to know each other, I remember one of my first thoughts is was, Oh, so this is what posturing is. Also, this like is like you mean in a good me. way or a bad way. In a good way, I never. All right. <laughs> I never, I never understood what it was before. It was if you're, you know, talking to the pastors, you're in trouble. <laughs> right. Um, if if you're talking to the pastors because some something's up and and you know they need to hear from you, but when I began to come here, it's almost like even though I had I had grown up in church my whole life, it's almost like I needed to be retrained in that aspect and i mean you can tell them the truth pastor i'm still being trained in what that even means of um you know submitting to uh you know your pastoral figures um i'm still walking it out i'm still figuring it out and there's a lot of things that had to get untangled but the point is is that they get untangled and you learn um one to submit to god over all things because for a lot a bunch of the time we don't submit to him above all you know, submitting to him is the first main thing because he'll teach you everything else after that. Mm-hmm. And, uh, you know, for anybody that has had church hurt, uh, please take it from me. I know what it is and I know what it feels like. And I know it's not an easy thing to deal with. And I know that the confrontation of your sin, even harder to deal with, yeah. um, you know, and I remember that you're the one who taught me this and I carried this, you know, since the class that you taught, um, when the Bible approaches you on something and you have a different truth, um, assume that you're wrong. <laughs> you're the one that's wrong, not the Bible. That's right. And uh, a lot of the times what we want to do is use the Bible to justify ourselves or to justify what our truths are instead of allowing the Bible to show us you know, what the truth actually is. Yeah, we like to twist the scriptures to fit our own preferences, mm-hmm. to fit our own pet sins, or to fit our own preferred lifestyles. And, and, and we, we search the, the scriptures and say, oh, oh, well, that could be interpreted this way. Therefore, I'm okay in what I'm doing. Yeah. But when you take it in the context of the whole Bible, it's like, no, it's not okay. Mm-hmm. And that's where you have a choice to make. 
will I listen or am I going to choose to be hurt and choose to you know, just flip the middle finger to everybody and go, go my own way. But we, we like to twist the scriptures to fit our life when the scriptures really untwist our life to fit mm-hmm. the truth of God. Yeah. And I think the point of this is, is to say that there is a life after your hurt. <laughs> oh my gosh. There's yes. a life after sin, true life, real life. And honestly, what I would tell kids in the school was, you know, as a campus mission, just give Jesus a chance. That's it. Just give Jesus a the chance. The real Jesus. The real Jesus. The, I'm not offering you religion. I'm not offering you uh, a way of escape. I'm offering you the way, the truth, and the life. And that's Jesus. You know, there's somebody listening right now <clears throat> who says, you know, all of this is a bunch of BS mm-hmm. because religion never did good for anybody. It started, it, it's, the, it's the most common starting of wars, religion. Let me just tell you, I hate religion. Amen. I do. <laughs> and he said, wait, wait. What pastor, do you mean? <laughs> you know, pastor, you just said you hate religion, but you're a pastor in a church. Don't you do religious duties? Um, religion is man's attempt, humankind's attempt to package God, to institutionalize God. Religion is mankind's attempt to institutionalize God. That's it. And God will not be institutionalized by humanity. God, the living God, who has a relationship with people, who saves them out of sin and death, and says, I want to know you. I want to talk to you. I want to walk with you. I want to transform you from the inside out. That is not religion. Religion is everything from the outside in. Mm-hmm. Religion is, well, you better read your Bible or you're going to hell. Mm-hmm. You better go to church or you're going to hell. You better do it right or you're going to hell. Better fast or you're going to hell. You better fast and show it to 5 a.m. prayer or you're going to hell or you're at least going to the pastor's office, which sometimes might be the same place. <laughs> <laughs> not my office. <laughs> not, not in pathway home. <laughs> no, 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 no. But at the same time, it's, it's religion really doesn't do good for people. Yeah. Jesus does good for people. The indwelling of God's Holy Spirit is what transforms your life to be something totally different than what you were. It tears off the blinders of, yeah, you know, you you get offended when you call sin, sin, and I'm living in sin and I'm part of that sin. And now you're telling me I'm living in sin. Yeah, now I'm getting offended by that. But once the blinders are off, you see how good Jesus is. It's like, oh, my gosh. I can't believe I didn't see that before, Mm -hmm. but now I see Jesus. I don't see a religion. I see Jesus. And somebody listening right now is saying, I'm I'm still skeptical. Listen, I'm going to offer you a 30 day money back guarantee. (laughs) Not that you have to pay anything for it because you don't. The guarantee is this Bible says in the book of Psalms, taste and see that the Lord is good. Taste him. Try. In other words, God is inviting you to try him out and to see if he is not as good as he says he is. Somebody listening or watching right now needs to take God up on that. And I'm just going to say it right now. I feel prompted to say this. 
God's offering you a 30-day trial, a 30-day money-back guarantee, no strings attached trial. And you ask him, God, I want, I'm asking you to show up for the next 30 days of my life and show me that you are who you say you are. I am willing to taste and see that you're good. And if God doesn't live up to everything that he says, then, then, then you're free. Go, go, go live your life in what way seems best to you. But I guarantee if you come at it and you say, God, I'm willing to take you up on that. Let's do this. God's going to show up. And then, you know, as we're going into that, if they are saying yes, then there's an invitation that's there for them. And I don't know if you want to lead them. No, you go for it. All right. Here's the invitation that as we taste and see who Jesus is, that we would accept him as our Lord and Savior and give him the right place in our lives. And I'm not just saying that you try to do this, but say, God, here I am and I want you in my life and actually give your life to him. So if that's you, I just want to invite you to repeat this prayer after me. Just say, Jesus, today, I confess you as my Lord and Savior. I know that you came, that you died for my sins, and that you rose again. So here's my heart. I ask that you come and live within me so I can have a relationship with you. We pray this in Jesus' name, and we say, Amen. Amen. And I just want to, I want to end this podcast by saying, I want to be your pastor. That's what Pathway Home is all about. Yeah. It's not about us producing content so that we can get hits, so we can get likes, so that we can get uh, all of the stuff that social media has to offer. We're not trying to be famous. We're just trying to love people. Yeah. We're trying to tell the truth of God's word to people. And I want to be your pastor. Pathway Home, tell us about... Uh, what we do on Saturday night, seven o'clock West Coast time. So one thing that I've really seen, and this was kind of like the reason why we, you know, so let's go ahead and do this is there's people that are looking for a church and maybe that's you, you know, you're saying, or maybe you already go to a church, you can't attend one. Well, we have a home for you, Pathway Home. Join us Saturday nights at this is 7 p.m. 7 o'clock Pacific so, time. Pacific time. Join us there. We're having our first service, uh, well, tomorrow. Yeah. Right. I mean, this this podcast is dropping on uh, April the 2nd yeah. of 2021, but I'm sure people are going to be hearing this afterwards. But if you're yeah. hearing this right when it drops, April the 3rd, 7 p.m., we are having a resurrection service online at pwh.tv. So we hope that you can join us. We hope that you invite your friends and your family if you're at home, bring them around, you know, the living room and hear the message with them or send this to a friend because I believe that this can really touch their lives. And we're going to be talking about the resurrection tomorrow, but the resurrection that Jesus did with Lazarus and how he ministered to Martha and Mary in the midst of it. And then our whole resurrection that happened. Oh my gosh, it's such a great message. I'm so pumped about it. It's going to be pwh.tv. Every Saturday night, starting yes. April 3rd, 2021. Yeah. So we invite you to join us for our first service. Did this I say pwh.com? No, pwh.tv. <laughs> I'm sorry about that. pwh.tv. Which you'll see in the description as well. You'll see in the description. Yeah. And if you're watching it on YouTube, you can see it pop up here on the screen. So make sure to join us and we'll see you there, guys. And also pwh means what? Pathway Home. Pathway Home and pathwayhome.tv is also the website. Those two websites are linked together. pwh.tv, pathwayhome.tv. We'll see you guys there. God Bye bless guys. you.
actually home.tv is what you use in the kernel video. Yes. 